before I read the passage, um, since it is Black History Month, I just wanted to say a quick uh, word about the passing of the literary genius Harper Lee, who wrote To Kill a Mockingbird. She helped lead the way in race issues, especially throughout the South when she wrote her book. And um, she passed on Friday. Uh, so I just wanted to, to say a quick, you know, word about that before I read. Um, I'm going to be reading from Luke 13, 31 through 35. At the very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, Go and tell that fox for me. Listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I finish my work. Yet tomorrow and the next day I must be on my way, because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you, and I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. I don't care. That's a response that I often used when my parents would warn me of pending consequences. The consequences of my actions that were not always positive. And one time they told me that I would be grounded for a week for something that I did, which was a pretty short time for me. Um, Grounded for a week. I don't care is what I said. And another week of grounded is what I got. Now, my father is an attorney. He is very literal. He understands judgment. He understands that there is justice to be served, all of that. So this is what I was dealing with. So he says, okay, just, you know, instantly. That's another week. And so I said, I don't care. This back and forth continued, and I soon was unable to leave my room for my freshman year of high school. (laughs) There was mercy somewhere in the justice. My dad would tell me the worst thing a person can ever say in life is, I don't care. It's almost like I can't, right? That's the second worst thing that anyone can say. I can't. But my father wanted me to understand about I don't care. And I knew at that time, uh, and certainly I knew that I should care about whatever it was that I was being warned about, whether it was uh, doing better in school or coming in on time or whatever it was. But I just didn't. I just had that teenage apathy. No offense to you teenagers who are here. Because that continues on for us as adults, doesn't it? I don't care. But I was either too immature or too rebellious to give a rip about pretty much anything. 
The times I said and meant uh, that phrase fortunately didn't last too long, and I grew out of the funk that I was in. But I was also very fortunate to have a father who would warn me about the consequences of my actions and the consequences of my indifference to the things happening around me, whether it was to my grades, my relationships, or to my car. Today, we are fortunate to have words of wisdom provided by our Father. Ones that we remembered recently from the Mount of Transfiguration. Remember that a couple of weeks ago as Jesus went up on the mountain and as He was changed, uh, as He went through this metamorphosis before the eyes of Peter, James, and John. And they heard these words that came from the Father in heaven. This is my Son. My beloved, listen to him. Hey, Peter, James, John, listen to this guy. This is my son. He has powerful words. He has things to say to you that are going to make a difference in your life and in the world. Listen to him. In other words, don't be indifferent to him. And his message. And I'm sure they were a little indifferent at times when Jesus would, would take them beyond where they felt comfortable going. And Jesus would say, Listen, listen up. And God here says, Listen to my son. Listen with all of your might, for doing so brings your life and the world changing consequences. And so in our text for today, in Luke chapter 13, if you'll open your Bible again to that, if you'll uh, look there on the pew rack in front of you, you'll find a pew Bible. And you can look in the 13th chapter of Luke. And we've been in Luke here recently. There's some wonderful things for us to know during this season of Lent, right here in Luke's Gospel. But in this chapter, Jesus encounters indifference. When the Pharisees tell him not to go to Jerusalem because King Herod wanted to kill him, he seems to indicate his awareness of this danger. But he also laments the general state of indifference of the city to him, of those who had no interest at all in listening to God's message for them. And in this, uh, this graphic that you'll see um, here on the, the screen, you get uh, a picture, you get an illustration of... What, what is being described here and, and the story that Jesus is referring to. And, of course, they all, in, ag, in an agricultural, rural setting, uh, during their time they would have understood uh, what a fox was all about and um, how a fox was hated, how a fox was conniving and taking things that certainly uh, were precious to them. But he laments the general state of indifference to this city, of those who had no interest at all in listening to God's message. And so he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, that city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. And you were not willing. And so it's like he's looking off in the distance to Jerusalem, reflecting on the words the Pharisees have said to him about 
You know, by the way, we always think that they're bad, right? Pharisees equal bad people. But here, they're helping Jesus out. Don't go there, Jesus. They're going to kill you. Because of the things you're saying, because of the way you're representing God, they're going to kill you. And so Jesus is saying out loud to them, looking toward Jerusalem. And he is is saying, how I have longed to gather you. How God has desired and longed for so long to bring you back and to give you protection. And he says that I have desired to gather you back. God had sent them one prophet after another another, to tell them that they were headed in the wrong direction. But they refused to listen. They were indifferent. But the significant part of Jesus' lament is his statement of concern for Jerusalem, one intensely feminine and tender. This is Jesus describing himself as a hen. I mean, that's a pretty feminine figure, isn't it? And we see here in the picture, and I put one on Facebook this morning, um, of this big hen. I was going to say big fat hen, but we're not supposed to refer to hens as being fat. Um, This big hen who has gathered the chicks under. And you see here the fox in the background. You see the rooster here. You see chaos going on down here. And you see the the mother hen trying to get them all to come back and to protect them. And so this is how Jesus is referring to the work that he is doing, that God has called him to do. It is feminine. It is tender. Like a hen who gathers and protects her chicks. So Jesus has been trying to gather them and protect them from the wrong ideas and from the direction of people like Herod. And we remember from our days of um, Advent and Christmas about how terrible Herod was. And he was, as best we understand from other sources. Rene Girard, uh, the philosopher, points out, To the image of Herod as a fox, Jesus juxtaposes not the lion of Judah. So we don't see a lion in there, do we? We don't see this fierce and ferocious lion that is there, but a hen protecting her chicks under her wings. He says, Jesus, the Messiah of God, will not protect his people through a great sacred violence. He will sacrifice himself to the violence. Letting the fox get sated or get satisfied on him. So the end of this story of what would take place in this picture is the hen would give her life in protection of the chicks. And we think about what Jesus was all about. Even to people who care nothing for him. Jesus maintains his attentive care and his unconditional love. And what he says to the Pharisees is, yeah, but I'm going to go anyway. They may kill me. They may throw rocks at me and perhaps even thought about the crucifixion of a cross. But I'm going to go anyway because I love them. Former Secretary of State Madeleine Albright shared with uh, Ellie Vassell, who is uh, a Holocaust survivor and a very wonderful author. 
Uh, he said one time when they were on a panel together, uh, not long after 9-11 took place, she says, he asked us to name the unhappiest character in the Bible. Who would that be, by the way? Who, who would you think about in the Bible? Job. Some said Job, she says, because of the trials that he endured. Some said Moses, because he was denied entry into the promised land. Some said Mary, because she witnessed the crucifixion of her son. The cell said he believed the right answer was God. Because of the pain he must surely feel in seeing us fight, kill, and abuse each other, all in the Lord's name. How true this must be. Even today, how true this must be. How unhappy God must be as He looks at the world that He has made and He sees what we continue to do to it. When He sees what we continue to do to one another. Especially those of us who do so in the name of Jesus. And yet, God continues to pursue us. What we must realize today is that we, as a people of God in this world, we still often show indifference to what God says to us. Isn't that correct? That we go on our own way, that we sometimes, even if it's not an intentional thing, we reveal that we are indifferent to Jesus. We recognize that He has come to give the most authoritative word of God and in the most special, the most clear way possible. And still, at times, we show the same kind of indifference that Jerusalem showed to him and to the prophets who came before him. We might dress up our indifference better than they did. I mean, we, we probably know more ways to look religious and to look like we care when in fact... We're still in, in our nakedness, fully exposed before a God who looks not on the outside, but on the inside. But we might still try to dress ourselves that way, hearing His words and bearing His name, yet living in this world as though we, we, uh, we heard, but we didn't listen. You know, there is a difference between hearing and listening. As though we bear His name, but not His cross. During the season of Lent, we are invited by these words right there in your Bible, these words of Jesus, to turn away from our indifference. Remember, that is that key word of Lent. It means to turn, that we are to turn away from the things that lead us down the path that God doesn't want us to be on. And we turn back to God. We repent from our indifference. Well, what will this look like? In our lives, how can we become people who aren't lamented by God or who aren't indifferent to Jesus? Well, one way to start is continuing what we committed to last Sunday daily intake of Scripture by hearing it, by reading it, by memorizing it like uh, you did this past week. Another way is by taking time for reflection on what God is saying to us. Remember, it's not enough just to memorize a verse. 
It's not enough to come to church and hear a verse. You must take that word and reflect. You must allow God to do something with it in your life. To meditate upon it. And to find what God is saying to you. When was the last time that you thought about what God was saying to you? I mean, did you know that God continues to speak? That God talks to you every day? But when was the last time you stopped and listened? When was the last time you just took some time out? Well, we must full well know that this time for reflection won't happen unless we schedule it. When will you take time this week to reflect in this way? When's that going to be? I mean, you can go ahead and pull out. I'll give you permission to pull out your phone if it has a calendar on it. Uh, Pull out whatever it is that you keep track of your time with and mark a time to say, I don't know when I would find time if I did not write it down and block it out. I mean, you would block time out to go to the doctor. You would block time out to go to... The hairdresser, is that what you still call them here? Uh, or to the barber shop. You would block time out to go get groceries, maybe to go on a date, to get your oil changed, whatever. But what about spending time with God? Have you blocked that out? Go ahead and do that. Carve out some time on your calendar. Make an appointment with just you and God. Tell other people, look, I'm busy at that time. Sorry, I can't go there. I can't do that. I can't be present at that time. I've got a very important meeting. It's just between God and me. And you don't even have to say that. Just say it's reserved. Think of the significance it will make in your life when you quit running off and you allow Jesus to save you by gathering you under His protective wings of compassion and love. Some of us are some of those chicks that are running off. We're scared. We're we're frightened. And, And we just take off. We see the fox coming and we just take off and head for the hills. And we don't go to where the care and the salvation actually is. And Jesus says, come unto me. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to take care of you. Even if it means death. I've got you covered. Well, we can also show interest in Jesus by practicing what he preached. It's not just about hearing it and memorizing it and reflecting on it. It is practicing what he preached. It is doing what he did. It is loving the way that he loved, forgiving the way that he forgave, confronting the way that he confronted, challenging the way that he challenged, speaking the way he spoke, thinking the way that he thought, walking the way that he walked, healing the way that he healed, dying the way he died, and rising in the way that he rose. As we do those things, we show that we care about what God has to say to us through Jesus. One of the most popular emoticons or Emojis, that's Japanese, by the way. Emojis is people, uh, or one of the most popular ones that people use in their text messages to one another. 
is expressing this one, okay. Like, okay, I got it. There are all kinds of, yeah, I mean, you could do a thumbs up. Those are fun. No, Derek says, no, that's not cool. Uh, Derek is my guide for all things emoji. Uh, I got it. It is an easy and an efficient way to communicate back to someone that you understood their message and you got the point, right? That's what all of y'all are saying this morning, right? Got it. When we turn to Jesus and when we act on His message, we show God and our world that we are anything but indifferent. We show that we understand Jesus, that we got it. So this morning, do you got it? Will you get it? Let us pray. God, in your grace, in your love, in your undying compassion, you have spoken to us particularly through your Son, Jesus. May we hear what He has to say. And may we take what He has to say and use those words in our lives and with the lives of people all around us. Thank you for coming into our world to gather us up that we might be saved. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.